Today is June 7th. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago Mekochis Chestakomaki. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, composed of the Wesley, Chinookie, and Bearspaw Nations, and the Dene from the Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status, non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honour the Blackfoot. I was born here in Calgary, or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis, as Michelle, Rob or Michelle Elliott, another English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey, um, Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellenized Dene. My father is so Canadian that I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act and Post status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hair people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Clincho Tine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning Many Horse Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share my journey as I walk down my red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything I talk about today and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll-free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you go to hopeforwellness.ca, there's also a texting feature. Uh, Non-Indigenous, you can go to distress centers in your area. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for already showing your support to this show. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments or questions. You can. I also now have a YouTube channel, and I'd love to have you subscribe. For podcasts, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Um, I want to give a shout out to my super loyal donors, Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Beth, Brian, Kat, Celine, Christ, uh, Christina, Crystal, Diana, Janda, Jana, I think it's Jana, uh, Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kathy, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, Melissa, uh, Natalie, Nathan, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Sharon, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. Thank you all so much. Uh, so a lot has happened in the last little while and, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually feeling quite gaslit. So what I do when I feel quite gaslit is I always have my husband on. Uh, my husband is my producer and, um, he's been documenting the last couple of weeks. Uh, I would argue the U S is in civil war right now. And, uh, I know a lot of people are probably very uncomfortable with saying that, because they don't like talking about racism and they certainly don't like to talk about an uprising in those terms, especially when thinking of our big brother. So um, that, those are, that's the term I'm going to use. And um, I welcome you, my husband, on my show. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's more for having me. Yeah, well, it's more to keep me online or on, on point because, um, you know, I've been talking about racism for, well, since we had our daughter. And, uh, you know, been working in political circles, been trying to work with the police as best as I can, um, you know, in, in the small, limited capacities, they will let me work in their committees or, you know, doing a small, tiny bit of um, 
training through a nonprofit that they approve in one of the districts. Like that's, it's so limited how they even let a person be in their world. Um, even as the MMIW co-chair, you know, that's really Awaton led and uh, it's, it's frustrating. You want to be a good citizen. You want to help your community. You want your community to thrive and barrier, 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 barrier. And it, right now I feel so gaslit because whether we're talking about Bill 1 or safe, safe consumption sites or the Civil War or racism. Yeah, so I've been talking about this forever and, you know, um, I'm seeing people resharing from non-Indigenous sources on Indigenous issues. I'm seeing, um, you know, lots of indigenous almost attacking the black lives matter movement because we have been talking about it so that like our trauma is showing no question as indigenous people that we uh you know we've been talking about these issues um like standing rock they just had police militarization on their own people unarmed people shooting them um and america didn't seem to bat an eye so I, I understand indigenous frustration. And then when you start bringing it down locally to the microcosm of, of like right here, right here in our community, right where, you know, Colton Crowshoe um, went missing. I seen his posters walking my dogs, contacted his family, now have known them for years since he went missing. And, um, you know, had the vigil where the police were like in choppers as well as surrounding our vigil and the community association wouldn't let us in. I mean, I feel so gaslit and now people are like, Oh, we should be listening to, you know, native Calgarian or we should be listening to Michelle Robinson or you should follow her on Twitter. Why? Now you retweet me, <laughs> you know, I, I'm just, I'm so angry. I'm so hurt that it took the U.S. to have a civil war for Canada to acknowledge racism despite all of these reports, despite all these books, despite how many, you know, conversations I've had about this. And, and not just me. Oh, my God. I'm nothing compared to, you know, when I think of all of the work the lawyers for the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples did. When I think of, you know, uh, Murray Sinclair at the federal level as a senator now and, you know, the TRC commissioner, you know, I'm feeling gaslit. I can't imagine how they're feeling. And I'm seeing a lot of our Indigenous brothers and sisters feeling very gaslit, um, understandably so. But obviously, you know, let's, let's focus here. Um, when I ran, both municipally and federally, I wasn't just talking about Indigenous racism. I was talking about all racism. Um, you know, I'm really sad that the work that I was doing prior to COVID-19 uh, with the Chinese Community Association was basically, you know, put on hi hiatus and such because of the COVID-19. It was, I'm talking about racism with everyone all the time, everywhere. Uh, black racism, you know, I've talked about being at the Community Association in Dover and the youth, South Sudanese youth getting pulled over by the cops with them demanding they show 16-year-old young black girls a receipt for a Slurpee they have in their hand. Like, this is the type of stuff that I've been talking about for years, trying to work on systemic change for years. Like, you're seeing this, right, Darcy? Like, this is not just me, that everybody is like, oh, we have an issue with racism? Well, absolutely. And I mean, it goes, you look at just the carding alone that the Calgary police service or any police service does just the, the nonviolent carding. And it's almost always person of color, people of color. It's almost always youth or, you know, um, suddenly it's suspicious for somebody to be walking home from their, their night shift job because they're a certain color rather than, Hey, that person's just probably walking home from work. Like it, it, it's really easy for, for police and everybody to just be like, well, yeah, but it, it was this or it was that. And that's what I think happens in almost every case is just everybody just goes, makes up an excuse. And that, because we don't want to admit that we have a problem in this country. I'm so frustrated. That, that's what I see. I'm so frustrated. I don't even know how to have this conversation anymore. Um, 
and I'm grateful you wanted me to do podcasting as an outlet, but I, I can't explain my frustration with this system. I cannot even comprehend how to put it in words. Um, you know, and then, okay, so let's talk about bill one. So bill one is Jason Kenney getting mad at all the what suit to win protesters and, uh, basically creating a bill, uh, saying that nobody can block critical infrastructure, but the way the bill is written, obviously it's ridiculously, um, you know, long-winded and overreaching and unconstitutional. Like, you know, I ran for the Calgary East federal or uh, provincial liberals and provincially, uh, David Kahn's been very outspoken and active. Um, I've been sharing all of that information about how unconstitutional bill one is. And yet for some reason, it's a big shock. Mm. I have almost like what, I don't, I don't know, almost 5,000 followers or something on Twitter been talking about this for since I mean I've been talking about what Sutu went since it happened since the first invasion let alone the second invasion and you know I don't know more was created because of Harper's crappy policies towards indigenous people but because that was national you know everyone was listening but now it's provincial and nobody wants to listen and what they do want to listen to and and this is the oh, so the evil plot of Bill One is this so many indigenous people who have been, you know, like we're in imposed poverty. I don't care if people want to disagree with me. It's systemic. Indian Act created this imposed poverty. And as a result, people are like, anything for a job. They'll rape, murder, and kill. No problem. No problem. That's why we have missing and murdered indigenous women. No problem. We'll just fucking eliminate all of the women. And then that way we can rape, steal, and like take all of the fossil fuels. No problem. So who are the people that are in these protests for Wet'suwet'en? The actual women that are like, you know, we're actually speaking for the land. Um, we're speaking for our sovereignty. We're in support of Wet'suwet'en. And we are the ones being, you know, persecuted even by our own people who are making, you know, a, a dollar in the oil and gas industry as a result. So mm -hmm. our own chiefs, they don't speak out against Wet'suwet'en because you know, technically it's not their territory. So that, that really absolves them from being able to speak about it. They're really okay with the RCMP pointing their guns at Wasutuan women. They always have been because they make money off of that. That is the bottom line. And mm -hmm. if women like me are speaking out against it, no one gives a shit because I'm just a fucking indigenous squaw according to the rest of the world. They don't listen to me. They never have, they never will. And, and that's the shitty part. Like, I, I want to have protests in, with, with Sutuin, but I know they won't listen. My own people won't listen to me. <laughs> they see me as too colonized. So I, I'm really angry and frustrated because, yeah, Bill 1 happened, and we have, like, you know, I personally was at Calgary Pride when the NDP and Rachel Notley was, like, build those pipes over Evan's yellow old woman speaking out about, uh, you know, sovereignty land acknowledgements mm -hmm. the importance of it so that's one that's bill one that that's just one bill and i feel like i have podcasts devoted to this conversation and it one they're not listening two they're not hearing it if they are listening like i i don't know what more to do well and it's really hard when you hear people like mark miller be like oh i'm so upset that you know violence police violence towards an indigenous person happened I'm so upset, but they're the people, like you said earlier this week, they're the people that make all those changes. They have they're the all ones. the poverty or all the privilege to eliminate all this. Yeah. So rather than just be, you can be upset, but that does nothing. You need to take action. You are the minister in the Privy Council for the government of Canada. And you're going, oh, I'm, I'm very upset about it. And I, I you know we need answers. Right? You're the one that gets the answers. Why is Justin Trudeau taking a goddamn knee? Why? Exactly. He literally so has boring. the ability right now. If he, like, and, and my friend uh, Spirit had said it so well. If the Canadian government could put and institute Indian residential schools across the country, build that infrastructure, you know, have yeah. the, build RCMP so that they can take Indian kids and throw them into these, these schools, 
right now there should be water in every reserve. Yep. I, I can't even like, how are we having this conversation? You know? Um, well, so a big thing that happened just this, like yesterday was um, chief Adam, Alan Adam from Fort Chip was in Fort McMurray, got the crap beat out of him by the RCMP again. And um, actually has like stuff to prove it. Now th <laughs> this prior to him selling out and deciding, yeah, no, we're going to be pro fossil fuels for the money. Prior to that, he was so loud and outspoken on these things that he was like with prominent people like Jane Fonda and um, mm -hmm. RCMP. They don't care. He's just another fucking Indian according to them. Right. Well, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter how highly educated you are. It doesn't matter. You could be prime minister of Canada if you're an indigenous. It doesn't matter because if you're walking around on the street, you're, you're just another, per, you know, another indigenous person that they can abuse. I, you um, know, I think one of the examples that I can say that really amplified that was um, there was a, a lawyer that ran for the Liberal Party in uh, Saskatchewan. And I want to say Saskatoon, I can't remember. But anyway, she's a lawyer and she walked outside the, the uh, court building in her full like black crow um, outfit that you have to wear as a lawyer. And she was still like whistled at and asked how much. And, mm -hmm. you know, like it, it doesn't matter yeah. how prominent you become as a native in Canada because Canadians do not respect your brown skin and your long hair and there's yeah. nothing about us that they respect and the RCMP especially it's like it's been open season on indigenous since the formation of RCMP well and you talk about bill one and let's be honest the only reason that they didn't just pass a bill saying uh indigenous people are, are not allowed to protest anymore is because they can't actually put those words on paper but this bill is very clearly to go after, like you said, the Wet'suwet'en protesters. And it, so it's very clearly more legislated state-sanctioned violence towards Indigenous people. Because what's going to happen is if you go protest, no matter what it is, they're going to declare it critical infrastructure. Police are going to come in and use violence to remove you. Yeah, and um, so nobody's going to stand up for us. No one. No. Like, we're watching the Black Lives nope. Matter movement. Like for the first time, I'm seeing what an actual ally looks like. And it's a white person who lost their eye because they stood in front of a gun in front of a black person for the very first time. That's allyship. Yeah. And we do never, we never see Canadians taking a bullet for indigenous women. Never, never, yeah. never, 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 never. And dear Canada, if you're listening to this, prove me wrong. Start yeah. doing something like, I felt so gaslit by Jason, Justin Trudeau. I can't even articulate how angry I am at any politician who has the audacity to go on a knee when they have every, like the time it took them to go out to that protest and take that knee, they could have been in an office creating a bill and a policy right now to stop cops from killing indigenous people. Stop assaulting yeah. us. Like I, I, I'm so angry. I don't, I can't even encapsulate how mad I am. Not just Justin Trudeau. I mean, everybody only, the only politician I saw say it properly was Aaron Paquette who put out a, a statement that basically yeah. said, dear elected officials, we're the ones with power. Let's do something, you know? So, and, and I mean, you've seen me, I've tried to do some training with district four to have an Asian cop roll his eyes at me and tell me, that natives just need to pull up our bootstraps and have a Green Party representative laugh and smirk in, right in his corner, high five him, absolutely. And everyone stood around and did nothing about it, nothing. And then to have, like, here we have hate crimes unit. And I mean, they've been off the wall with the amount of uh, hate crime that's been happening against um, Asian for COVID. Like I've been seeing that in the news. I've been sharing that information. Not that anybody notices because they're too busy amplifying white people about all of this, right? Anyway, you know, this is that conversation that I'm having where, you know, we know black people need to be move leading the Black Lives Matter movement. And we're trying to amplify those voices. But I'm not seeing all of the so-called allies, you know, sharing Adora, sharing Mel V locally. Like, they're not. They're like, oh my God, Karen. Did you know? No, I had no idea. Oh my God. 
when they're literally the people that are perpetrating the racism and usually unconsciously. I mean, how long have I been talking about unconscious bias? That one woman on my own Facebook page that was like a, a paramedic, so willing to say what she said, so racist, doesn't care. Um, I, Indian uh, DJ Indian was having a conversation with some guy from a progressive from Alberta and all, almost he, he had like 17 followers like he really lowball I almost thought he was a troll a half of those people were elected MLAs for the NDP yeah so obviously an NDP troll right yeah. trolling an indigenous man and not just any indigenous man DJ Indian like yeah. And, and so I blocked him and all of his followers, which was elected NDP MLAs, because they are listening to this jackhole over DJ Indian, over me, over Catherine Swampy, over all of the folks who've been speaking out about these issues. They're listening to them. So anytime anyone pretends the NDP in Alberta even slightly cares about Indigenous people, I pretty much want to punch them in the face. So that's where I'm at. Well, well, and I think it's, I mean, I don't see how anybody could not be there. I mean, it's frustrating to see episode after episode after episode of state-sanctioned violence, state-sanctioned violence. And Canadians generally just tend to go, well, you know, it's like the whole, well, we don't know the whole story. The video doesn't show the whole story. Well, what did they do before? It's so quick to blame the victims. And, and yet, that guarantee, and I said this to you this morning, I said, Adam will be persecuted by the media, by everybody. They are going to find, if he punched a kid in the face when he was seven, they are going to find that story and they are going to drudge it up because God forbid the RCMP be held accountable for beating the shit out of, a, of one of our chiefs. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you know, and, and again, when we talk about these politicians and we talk about changes that need to be made, we're not talking about cultural education implemented. We're talking about real changes that de-escalate police, de-arm the police, defund the police, end the drug war, do, do major things like this. There's police forces throughout the world that don't carry firearms. If we're going to take away and ban guns from legal gun owners, well, then why aren't we taking the guns out of the hands of the people who are actually killing people, the, the police? Yeah. And when that when when changes like that start to happen then we can start to talk about oh we we actually see change but oh. until then it's platitudes it's 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 band-aids that don't really do anything and and it on the to the cops on the street it won't matter a, a little even a little bit do you want to see one of my most least shared freaking posts defunding the calgary police i sent no. a letter i don't know if anybody sent another letter but I sent my letter and I have been sharing that info over and over and it is not being shared one tiny bit. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not amplifying my voice on simple things, let alone actual structure, structural change, like defunding yeah. the cops. And, you know, for a lot of folks out there who are like, Oh my God, we still need the cops. Oh my God. Who is going to persecute all the rapists to you? They don't, they never have, they never will. In fact, yeah. they are rapists. And that has been proven in how many reports over and over again that you are all blind to. Like, it's like birdcage. Like, y'all got that blindfold on and you just can never see racism, amazingly. And now, as a result, like, Cindy Gladue, what happened to her? <laughs> and and yeah. no one cares. And that's what no. pisses me off the most. Because you know what? That can now happen to me my daughter, my mother, nobody cares because it's just yep. native people. They don't care. Absolutely. I'm so like angry. I, I can't even possibly explain how hurt and angry I am at society for not seeing this sooner. Um, you brought up defunding the police and I wanted to focus a little more on that because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh my God, oh my God, we need them. Karen, did you hear? And yes, I know you're all losing it because you all are comfortable with the police whereas mm -hmm. black people indigenous people a lot of people of color anyone who has ever listened to my podcast we're on like episode 90 something and i have said in every single episode if you're a marginalized person don't call the cops i've said that in every episode and yep. people are like this is all brand new information to them which shows me nobody's listening to this podcast and nobody's like hearing what i'm saying 
at all. Yeah. So frustrating. So if that money, instead of going to militarized police, like I said to you, could you imagine if all of the tanks that are in all of the um, police departments all across the country actually went to D&D instead, would actually have a military. All of right. the ri assault rifles went to the military. We'd have a military. But we don't. Instead, the money that should go to a military goes towards our, our police departments. And they don't need yeah. all of this equipment. I, we don't, like, there's nothing more frustrating than knowing that Hawk's helicopter is basically just standing up in the sky for no apparent reason, burning gas half the time that I see it. You know, and mm -hmm. half the time it should be grounded. And we have two of them. Right? So... But that's the thing, like, so we had a Black Lives Matter vigil the other days and uh, yesterday and the helicopter was over top for the whole time. Yeah. Why? Why is it? We have marginalized so people scary. of color and we are scared of marginalized people so much that this white uh, Calgary police service are like, oh, my God, we, we could have riots. Yeah, but I've gone to things where there's known white pride white nationalist white you know neo-nazi groups represented at in front of city hall i've been to been to an event where they were there and the police there was no hawks helicopter no and when they were when these people were screaming at other people the police didn't do anything they, they just stood around and did nothing yeah. but yet whenever there's a vigil whenever there's people of color gathering in groups of more than six suddenly there's a massive police presence and I mean, you guys did a drumming thing. And if, if police hadn't been with you when you did it, even though you guys were spaced out, even though you, it was, it was you know, a vigil basically, and there wasn't even, you know, I don't even think there was more than 20 of you maybe, but the police showed up and they showed up angry. Yeah, and if it wasn't it, for the happens. District 1 sergeant and our Indigenous liaison, we would have got the shit kicked out of us by those ready to kick the shit out of us cops in district one i know Absolutely. it i seen that in their face and i you know i get so angry yeah. that people won't back me on that but it was really clear they were not there to have a like this was for their own fucking people because a cop died in in nova scotia this vigil was for them as well as the because they were well let's have that conversation yeah. darcy let's have that conversation about how many rcmp are speaking out about the unsafe working conditions the rcmp are in and when they don't yes. like someone that is marginalized they send her in this case in um nova scotia out there and what did they call that policy darcy do you remember uh it was like uh tough it out or yeah or like some, risk it out risk it out risk it out the risk it out yeah. policy that they have basically if you're they don't like you. They just send you out somewhere they know is dangerous. And if you die, you die. And then you get to have that nice, like, hoorah, black, the blue line, you know, Canadians who are so, such bootlickers yeah. that they'll honor you for the rest of your life. But the truth is that their own force were the real murderers. Like, they're, that's a murdering policy that they just get away with because there's no accountability because bootlicking Canadians are like, Oh my God, I just love cops so freaking much that they can rape and kill indigenous yeah. women and nobody cares and they can kill themselves and nobody cares. And we have like a huge million dollar life lawsuits by RCMP people saying we need accountability. And Canadians are like licking boots. Like, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm licking this root. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's just it. Like I've said for years, like the, if you, you, you can be pro cop, but if you look at like, take the RCMP for a great example, they don't even support their own members for the shit that they've put all of their female members through all of their minority members through that alone should cause them to be disbanded. We disbanded an, uh, a longstanding military group back in Kretchen's days because a video came out of them hazing their own people hazing their own and this was an inner group thing and we disbanded them because that was disgusting behavior yeah but when you have well over a billion dollars in lawsuits from class action lawsuits for sexual harassment you have these risk it out type programs that are unofficial you know disciplinary things you have you have programs that, like they don't support their own members so for that alone we should disband them let alone the fact that they're putting they're now putting traumatized and damaged people out on the street 
and where it's totally cool if you beat the shit out of somebody and get you your know, frustrations out that way. Drinking is totally normal. You like, know, and you and I, have we've talked about that, but I don't think we really talked about it on this podcast before that one of the reasons why we so strongly support, you know, like Freedom's Path is because they actually do that actual work of helping folks yeah. with addiction, including police officers, yes. without judgment. Yes. Like you and I have talked extensively mm-hmm. how crappy police officers, um, first responders, like firefighters, um, EMS, like how awful that job is. Doctors and nurses in, yeah. in emergency rooms, they get to see the worst of everything, of humanity and, yes. and us in pieces and have to stitch us together. And I mean, literally, like this is traumatizing world war, like type stuff that no one yeah. should see, but they have to every day. That's their job. We should be supporting that. And that's why I really support what Freedom's Path is doing because in these stupid organizations, colonial organizations, they don't even support their own. And yeah. like when I was running, I talked about that. I talked about how um, that trauma, trauma in first responders, they need more resources. So when I talk about yes. defunding the police, I'm not talking about the abolishment. I'm talking about, you know, we don't need to buy a tank or a second chopper when the money that would go towards supporting that could easily go into a support program to help first responders with their uh, trauma. You know, yes. and, and the money that we would be spending into those ridiculous, you know, assault rifles and, and things they don't need. That should be going yes. into more community policing. Like the yep. the irony is, is that we should have a, a a mental health unit that every cop has to come in and every cop has to go out before a shift, just to see how they're doing, see if things are good at home, see if there's supports, and then before they go home, you know, like I know they would never actually encourage Indigenous people to be Indigenous on the fucking force, but if they did, they could actually have a smudge room and let these yep. Indigenous people have an elder on staff 24 seven, you know, talk to them before, talk to them after a shift, make sure they're not going home with that crap. But no, we don't support our cops like that. And we, as a society, we don't see that as strength. And I don't like, I cannot comprehend how, um, Oh, okay. Now I'm going to start rambling on another thing, but did, did I start talking? Did I, I needed you here to help me finish defunding the police means the, the money and resources allocated towards beating the living shit out of people would actually go towards um, community development and creating a yes. safer space for people yes. and ongoing training for police so that they know, you know, I'm indigenous. What the hell do I know about Chinese issues? I don't. So I have to work really mm-hmm. hard at learning that. Um, no matter what cultural background you're from, we all have to learn from each other. I had to learn from a friend of mine how to say Asama Alaikum and his, his grandma was Lebanese. That's how I, I learned this. Like we all have this work to do all of us. Yeah. So I don't understand why this is such a difficult conversation for cops to have when it comes to allocation, like all of the um, counselors I sent that email to, I'm sure they looked at it, said Michelle Robinson and threw it out. But I'm like, this, this is solutions you know well it, well it, it is and i and i think you're like absolutely 100% right it's not defund them and then just the money goes back into the public coffers and we can spend it on pipelines <laughs> it's it's defund so that we can reduce the violence but actually put people who are trained in certain things so like a person calls for a wellness check on their 85 year old grandma yeah why are we sending two police officers in a $150,000 to $200,000 vehicle with $100,000 with a gear on them, with guns, tasers, pepper spray, mace, uh, handcuffs, you know, a, a 90 pound, you know, Batman belt on with all these weapons <laughs> to go check on a granny when what you need is somebody with compassion, somebody who's trained for wellness checks, somebody who's trained on, on you know, therapy, things like that. Exactly. Just if, if you're like, there's a difference in calls. We don't need to send armed killers to every call, you know, um, you know, during COVID some kids are playing basketball in the, in the courts. You don't need armed thugs to go to there and tell 12 year olds to get off the court because of COVID. 
Yeah. You know, you, so the money you're talking about, about defund police, it's, it's let's put the money where it actually would make a, an improvement on how we handle our communities and, and the people that are in, that may need help today. Yeah. Rather than send armed, military trained, aggressive attack dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, that, and that's just the difference. Like it, so it's, it's about providing what's right as opposed to providing what's easy. Yeah, exactly. Um, another thing that I feel so pissed off and gaslit about is the NDP and all of these supporters calling out um, Jason Kenney for cutting the safe consumption sites. Um, why, do, why would I be mad at that, Darce? Would it be because, I, again, when I ran both municipally and, fed, and uh, provincially, I was the only candidate talking about these issues then? With none of those people speaking out about this was, you know, on my campaign, door knocking, helping me out in any way. But I was open and, and honest about it. And I got to take all the bullets for it. Um, but they didn't. And now they're speaking out. And it, it's almost like because the UCP is against it and have put the policies out, now they're against it. But when nobody was doing anything about it, and I was talking about this as a solution, nobody was, yep. you know, amplifying my voice. I'm so angry about that because the NDP are using it as talking points right now when, like, the, it was literally a part of our platform, part of our, like, talking about it all the time, and everybody was guffawing about it. And now they have the audacity to be like, oh, well, Jason Kenney's anti-science. I'm like, you morons. They were, he was anti-science federally. How yep. is this a shock to you? How is, yep. He was anti-Indigenous federally. How is this a shock to you? So I, I, I'm so pissed off at the world right now. I don't know. I don't even know how to talk about it with people. Well, I think it's really hard, too, because we saw the NDP had four years of time. And let's just, even just sticking with police violence towards the people, indigenous people, people of color. These issues were happening long before the NDP. They were happening during the NDP reign in Alberta, and they're still happening. Yeah. So the NDP had four years to go, there is a problem. We recognize it. Even though there isn't some sensationalistic video of, of a man's death that we can use as a catalyst to make change. The problem is still there. It's prevalent, and, and the people that it affects know it. Like it yourself, like other people. Come. Yeah. So they had four years, and they did nothing. Well, and, and, and you know, and, and that's the whole thing that pisses me off. We had to have an inquiry here in Alberta over the policing that was happening against the blood reserve. Like, that's what, mm. you know, the catalyst to the blood reserve having their police, like that inquiry. Um, Royal Commission on yeah. Aboriginal Peoples, they had a, all this information um, you know, TRC has yeah. its own section on justice. Now we have 231 calls to justice. Like, and, and when the inquiry was happening, they gave out like a pre report saying, okay, here's some major things you need to start working on before the end of this inquiry. Um, oh my God, we just are so supportive of indigenous people and we are committed to reconciliation and our talking points are really like, we love indigenous people, but did you see any policy change? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, look at look at the Amber Takaro case. I mean, she was the, the RCMP were ill trained to handle that case, wandered into her hotel room, destroyed a bunch of evidence, and then even admitted that they did and that they were prop- and improperly trained from the beginning. They spent six months. How do you not train this? But on top of that, what did our government do? Nothing. There was no change in policy. There was nothing. The RCMP didn't give us a rebate even for the amount of money that that officer cost for a year in the provincial coffers, like just literally nothing. So it, when you become a police officer and you put on that tin badge, it's like a license to do like whatever you want. And I've heard a lot of people in the States, you know, there's this whole sovereign citizen movement, but the truth is, is police are sovereign citizens. They don't have to abide by traffic laws. They don't have to abide by gun laws. They don't have to abide by any laws. And if they murder somebody, they go, well, I was afraid for my life. And everybody goes, oh, totally justified then. It's fine. Hey, babe. As, long as, you, as long as you were afraid by that handcuffed guy on his face, on the ground, in the grass, as long as you were afraid, well, that's totally fine to kill him. You know, um, they actually have the sovereign free man on the land movement labeled as a terrorist organization because yeah. they're white people who are empowered with their rights. And, yeah. you know, 
God forbid, indigenous people were empowered with their rights. You know, I, I'm so pissed off. And I, can we just take one moment, just one little moment to make fun of Americans? Just anytime you hear that's a good time. I didn't get a chance to talk to you, but I seen the stupid video of these white guys with guns and Karens, their wives, with them protecting a playground. And the Black Lives Matter people were marching by and taking videos. And the, the white media blurred out all the white people's faces. So they actually, oh, nice. on Twitter, had to repost it with the original post that actually shows their face. So that's not even what I'm making fun of, because I think well, as ridiculous as that is, and while it's its own com comedic relief, um, what yeah. really was funny is that, because so you know I'm stupidly insane about safety, right? Like, annoyingly yeah. safe, yes. right? Um, so if you look at the way Americans hold their guns, they are the most unsafe way to hold them. Have you ever noticed that? So this oh, whole yeah. lineup of guys across this white fence, they all have their guns like in their arms, like they're, like they're holding a baby pointing at each other. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've watched videos where the police go and, you know, they, they apprehend some guy who's exercising his rights to carry a gun openly. They'll still go and they'll take his gun. But when they take his gun to do the to safety the gun, they're like pointing it at him as they're like sliding the bullets out and or they're pointing it at their partner. But their fear for their life is that the guy that had it in his holster where everybody could see it and he has his hands up, he's the the one to be afraid of. Meanwhile, they're just waving the guns around and like it's absolutely insane. What they think is gun safety is amazing to me. Honestly, it I, I think we could probably use their examples as what not to do for yes. for hours and hours. Like it, I can't. Yeah. It's so it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for me to see descendants yeah. of you know any type of war, anything. Like when I think what their people were supposed to fight for, you know, and they're they have Nazi signs and stuff now, like. I mean, not that Canada is any different. Like you and I grew up in Sylvan Lake where Caroline was having Nazi rallies all the time. And like yep. Keekstra was teaching kids how to be little Nazis. So, you know, it. Yeah. The Holocaust didn't happen. <laughs> that was being taught in Red Deer, Alberta at one point. You know, we grew up with this. It's, it's insane to me. And these are the people we're supposed to take, you know, I don't know, go to their institutions and learn from them when they're doing stupid stuff, like you can't even hold a gun right. <laughs> well, and you know, I, I uh, speaking of growing up in Sylvan Lake, like I, I have story after story after story of the RCMP in Sylvan Lake. And it wasn't even that I was just a badass or doing something wrong. Just stuff that I observed, stuff that I seen. Um, I watched somebody get, you know, beat up by 10 or 15 people and the cops stood and watched them do it. And then when all the guys beating up the guy left, then the cops came in and harassed some girl because she she dropped a wrapper, a, a, like a gum wrapper on the ground. They didn't even help the guy bleeding on the ground. The crowd did that. And so, you know, growing up in Sylvan Lake, we, like, it was always a joke that the RCMP seemed to move guys they didn't know what else to do with to Sylvan Lake. Um, but I, and, and I mean, my dad had his arguments with the police to defend me, to defend, uh, you know, uh, lots of things. And it was just, you know, they just move them around. They're just, it's as bad as the church. Whenever there's a pedophile, move them around. You know, the, my, uh, for the same thing. I came across those pictures of my brother and uh, I won't air them. Uh, they're my brothers really of, uh, when he got beat up and, um, cause it, for folks who don't know what it was like growing up in Sylvan, like you never walked alone. And the reason why is because randomly there would be a group of somebody and we always jokingly called them terrorists. This was before 9-11, obviously. Um, you know, tourists from Edmonton or from Calgary that would just randomly beat up uh, Sylvan Lake kids. And the Sylvan Lake police didn't know. In fact, they always blamed us. Um, and yes. I didn't have the words to articulate it then. So anyway, no. my brother made the mistake of walking alone and he's even more visibly indigenous than I am. And he just got the crap kicked out of him. 
Yep. And he would be the first to be an apologist for the RCMP and be like, well, what are they going to do about it? But at the end of the day, like that, that's just our reality is that Mm -hmm. we know the RCMP will never do a damn thing when we get hurt. And I mean, I grew, I was born here in Calgary and, you know, somehow my mom's head mysteriously got smashed and there were no charges laid about that. And, you know, it, it's just, this, this is the reality that why would I call the cops when I know the cops one won't do anything and two, there will like, this is my reality. So anyway, um, I'm really glad to kind of keep you like, keep me on schedule. Really glad to have you on the show. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. What more should we talk about? Should we actually talk about the black lives matter, black lives matter marches that happened here? Um, they were pretty big and significant for Calgary. Um, so there was the one that we were at where it started at the river and went went down to city hall and then there was another one that went from kensington all like town 17th avenue up the red mile and um we didn't we didn't make that one um no and then yesterday's event where they had uh it was a vigil right in front of city hall and that was and i read four thousand people showed up to that it was really hard for us because we were in the middle of it and i didn't like it's hard to see 4,000 people there. Um, but apparently 4,000 people showed up. So that was good. Um, yeah. And it's good to see so many people finally realizing to speak out to racism. Um, my hope is 4,000 people will show up to our regularly scheduled vigils for missing and murdered Indigenous women October 4th, um, Valentine's Day that we always have. Um, you know, obviously with Chief Adam getting uh the crap kicked out of him that's probably going to be the next thing to really hit our airwaves buckbreaker on twitter was talking about um uh butch wolf lake maybe having a rally out at Siksika in front of gleeshan i could go for hours on that story uh that's for sure but that's for them to tell so yeah we'll see what happens here in the future but uh mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if we're going to have more black lives matter movements and then um if we'll start talking a little more about uh some indigenous issues and i i just i feel really uncomfortable um saying this but um there was a woman her name is chantal moore she was doing a wellness check there or she called the police for a wellness check and uh she ended up shot and killed and everyone's like well she was holding a knife and what what did you say to me Darce? that in the uk out of all of the people holding knives only like one person got shot. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a study where it was between certain time frames, and they were comparing the U.S. to the U.K. And they had like a similar amount of of knife incidents. Only difference was is uh, like the murder rate in the U.S. was like seven hundred and seventy six people killed, and the U.K. was one. Now I'm not saying the U.K. does a, is perfect for policing either, because they certainly have their issues. But the difference is is when you when you don't send armed thugs that's then they they have no other way to like the first option is not to go for their gun then and again it goes back to defund police if if unarmed people or even people with just with tasers had showed up to chantel moore she'd still be alive right so Um, why can't we talk about defunding i don't know but what it what breaks my heart about this too is seeing the division in our own people over this yeah you know i uh they said right in the article, her own family says this is not like her. She's that would be out of character for her. So to me, it's already uh, the media is backing the police story. The police put out their story. The media backed it, and now an, a timid young Indigenous woman is dead, and yeah. and Canada won't back her. That's that's the bottom <laughs> line. And you know the um, family asked for us to not to use her photo, but every freaking article has her photo. So I, I want to share more information about it, but I can't. Um, I'm just going to encourage people to Google it. And and to the Indigenous people listening, if you hear, you know, oh, well, I really want to share her story. Here's the thing. We know her name, Chantel Moore. People can Google it if they care. 
There's like 4,000 names people can Google if they gave a flying shit. Mm-hmm. Let Chantel Moore's family tell the story from their point of view. Do not share mainstream shitty media that knows nothing about indigenous people. Um, in fact, I'll say Pam Palmater just put out a really great video about, and it says Canada is racist. That, and so I know people are like, well, I'm not going to share that. But if you actually listen to it, it says right in there, like 10 tips for media. And she lays it out. And I'm, I'm yep. sad that so many people don't get it. Like, I just live in such a different reality than the rest of Canada. And the irony is I was raised white. I was raised in the white society. My family is half white, like Jesus. Well, half white. Even my native side is like, whatever, just assimilate and do what you need to do to survive. And I totally understand why they think that. I love them to pieces. Survival, though. Yeah. That's what it is. It's survival. Yep. Assimilate or die. And that's that's the way it's been since since colonial powers put their feet on the soil. I know. And you try to do the right thing and join the stupid indigenous committee for the Calgary police service and try to do uh, training for city people. And it just goes in one ear and out the other. Cause they're not, they don't want it. They don't want to hear it. They want to just watch fucking NHL and, cheer for their stupid team and call anybody totally. a flames fan a fuck face and i just i hate <laughs> it i hate it i hate our society the way they hate like we talk about you know inclusive spaces and thriving communities and it's like you mean like it that it just has to have an asterisk on everything except indigenous except indigenous except poc you know yeah. so frustrated yeah. with this conversation so yeah. Yeah, that's my week. Hey, have a great day. <laughs> <sighs> okay, I'm going to, uh, I, I, you know what, I should say this too before I let everybody go. If you listen to my last podcast, um, I had a guest on that was talking about GSA Alta and they were going to launch on Friday and they chose not to because of the Black Lives Matter movement and they wanted to give space to Black Lives Matter. And uh, so they're going to relaunch on this Friday coming up. So I hope that you consider listening uh, if you're from Alberta and interested in talking about LGBTQ plus issues. And um, so James Demers, he actually uh, does a whole segment on history, which I think is really significant. I'm boring the hell out of our daughter with uh, gay history, but like it's it's a great book. I I think everyone should know their gay history, even if they um, don't subscribe to that. And I know it's a joke in our family, but I always say that I didn't even know what a lesbian was until Katie Lang came out as a vegetarian. So (laughs) growing up Alberta. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. Thanks, honey, for being on my show. I'm going to close us out here. So sounds good. My phone's going to die. So I'm going to let you go. Okay. Love you, babe. Love you too. <laughs> so everybody, thank you so much for staying on my show with me. Um, I'm sure for many of you, this is your first time listening, and I appreciate you if you you are listening for the first time, coming and hearing me rant. Um, most of the times, I feel like my podcast is more like a dear diary, uh, but at the same time, I I believe that it matters to hear Indigenous voices on uh, issues here in Canada because the mainstream media they will never give us the proper space to have real conversations, real meaningful change in Canada. And um, like, you know, love my politicians to death, try to amplify their voice when they are being progressive, but I'm kind of done at this point with, uh, with bullshit at the end of the day. Um, You know, my uh, podcast became a plus 18 show because they think that talking about racism and indigenous issues is a plus 18 show. So at first I tried not to swear too much, but at a certain point I kind of gave up on it. So I hope you don't mind. Um, Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their platforms and policies. If they do not recognize marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, if they are cutting violence prevention programs and services, if they're cutting indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, know that your vote to that party 
directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, the violence prevention. Now there's 231 calls to justice on the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls and Two-Spirit. Denying those reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting, <laughs> which I just spent a whole hour talking about. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational, justice, and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same things, demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, all local politicians, community organizations, sports organizations. Now, a great article I said out loud in episode 62 that you can Google is Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians become allies. Um, I want to acknowledge that this week was the fifth anniversary of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. This week was the first anniversary of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Inquiry. How many of you even know what I'm talking about? Um, you know, I, I do a book club every month talking about these issues. And you don't have to join my book club. You can join other book clubs. You can make a book club. Like, start talking about these issues. If you truly give a shit about racism in Canada, do something. You're so willing. 4,000 of you are willing to show up for a rally for Black Lives Matter when, we're, you know, rightfully so, George Floyd deserves this recognition. I just don't understand. Why can't you for Cindy Gajou, Jackie Crazy Bull, Colton Crowshoe, um, Joey English. Why can I say so many names of Indigenous people off the top of my head? How many can you? I want to continue by putting cultural safety into action. You can create a safer space for Indigenous people, people of color, those with disabilities, LGBTQ2+, to speak. Look at it as first nation or first aid for marginalization. First, you have to do something. Having good intentions is not enough. You have to take action to make change. Like, oh, I don't know, vote for people talking about this stuff. You need to speak out against racism. You need to ask questions with those with more understanding. You need to find allies and create a support system so that you can create advocate and advocate for culturally safe approaches. Like, if we get anti-racism Calgary, they've been doing this forever. How come you're not a part of that? How come you look down on um, Antifa? Literally the organization that's been fighting Nazis since Nazis. Why are you against that? Take responsibility for your own learning. Read, reflect, ask questions. Do not expect this learning to come from marginalized people. Take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your own assumptions and biases. Conscious and unconscious bias. If these words are like new to you, Google them. Question everything you've ever learned about Indigenous people and take time, take steps to actively disrupt those stereotypes. Commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. If you go to heretohelp.bc.ca, uh, they have a whole section on what is cultural safety and why I should care about it. I hope that you click on it. I hope you print it off. I hope you read it often. Well, if you were listening to my podcast, you heard it over 90 times. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous or marginalized people experience by the structure of racism. So the Indian Act, Indian Residential School, land clearing policies, they've created divisions. And I talked about it very clearly when I talked about the pro-fossil fuel Indian and the sovereignty Indian, that's lateral violence and internalized racism that were literally caused by these stupid policies. So when you see two Indians fighting, what is it really about? It's really about stupid policies that Canada imposed on them. Can't believe I have to like spell this out because people are too lazy to actually Google internalized racism and lateral violence. <sighs> Racialequitytools.org by Donna Bevins has a ton of resources 
about what is internalized racism and more. Uh, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by the American Friends Service Committee. They have, you know, what to do if you witness public instances of racism, anti-Black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans, anti-Indigenous, or other forms of oppressive interpersonal violence and harassment, and tips on how to keep everybody safe. So one, do keep your presence as a witness known. So most people uh, will de-escalate. I don't know how many times I have shoved a uh, recorder in the face of a cop and a protester and both of them defuse. It's so easy to learn de-escalation and Google de-escalation techniques. You can learn them too. Um, take cues from the person being harassed. Do what you have to do to keep your both to be safe. Uh, don't call the police. As I've said in over 90 episodes, for many communities experiencing harassment, whether it's Arab, Muslim, Black, queer, Indigenous, trans, immigrants, the police can actually cause a greater danger for those being harassed. Don't escalate the situation. Like I, I love my husband to pieces, and sometimes he is even guilty of doing that. So um, trying to get people to understand the gravity of, you know, if you're, you know, thinking you're going to be a strong ally for somebody and you're making things worse, <laughs> you're not helping. And you're just at a second cop. So that's why we talk about don't tone police. Silence is dangerous. It communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. If you find yourself too nervous or afraid to speak out, move closer to the person being harassed and communicate your support with your body. So for folks that are listening, I'm going to assume you're here with well-intentioned goodness. Give your goddamn card to somebody being harassed to validate what their experience is. And then that way, because I can guarantee you, because I've been through it a million times, at first it's embarrassing and almost shameful. And uh, when you kind of, uh, you go through that fight, flight, or response where, where you're, or freeze, where your body doesn't know what to do, and it um, goes through this huge adrenaline rush, and uh, when you calm down from that, which can take a few days, you might need validation. So if you're some white person with privilege and you're witnessing this ridiculousness and you're too afraid to do anything and you don't want to call the cops, just give them your card so that when the person being harassed can talk about it, they know they have somebody validating them. And for you, if you start documenting, you know, the person who is harassing you know, what they looked like, what they were saying. Um, did they wear, wear a Trump 2020 hat? Maybe, like, I've seen some guy who was actually a, a Broncos fan who accused everyone on the Northeast train of being terrorists. Um, you know, and it really stuck with me that he was some Broncos fan. Take, take time to document that and write it out for yourself because even you witnessing it, are still going through that fight, flight, or fight, freeze uh, response as well. Take responsibility about teaching your kids in a positive way, because these people are learning it from somewhere. Most likely they learned it when they were children, and I'm no different. I've had to do years of decolonizing and um, unlearning in order to be at this point where I'm trying to tell other people how to be a better person, basically. Um, is this idea that, you know, love thy neighbor is clearly not a reality for the majority. I wish it was. So if you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk, if you're Indigenous, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. If you go to hopeforwellness.ca, you can text. It's open uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you're in Calgary, um, you know, I strongly recommend Awuton Healing Lodge. Um, AHS, you've seen firsthand on my Facebook page how AHS uh, does or does not deal with uh, situations. Anybody who was watching the big white wall conversation would know what I'm talking about. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe take some time. Figure it out. Um, violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions. Lots of people don't want to hear Indigenous opinions, but sure as hell want to put out their bullshittery. And usually by people who know nothing about Indigenous, know nothing about colonialism, 
know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights. And you're seeing it firsthand, I think for the first time, when it comes to Black people. And Indigenous people have been facing the same fucking thing. Microaggressions. People dealing with internalized racism. People who are gatekeepers, who survive off the status quo. People who are so in their trauma that they stop people from doing the work and deplete personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. This is why I need a podcast to be heard. So I want to say thank you to my ancestors. I want to say thank you to my granny and my mom for what strength looks like through your example. I want to say thank you to my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. Gives me, he gives me my confidence to be who I am. My stepmom taught me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots, and she taught me to be a proud Calgarian. It is through her, I am a second-generation proud Calgarian. Thank you to my husband, Darcy, for being my guest today, for producing and editing this show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road, he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism and police violence. To our child, who we are blessed to learn from daily, we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. I hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of me trying to discuss these present day's issues. Um, you know, here I am talking about harm reduction and talking about defunding the police so that it can be properly allocated. I hope one day people will understand why I've been talking about this for 90 plus episodes. Again, to my patron account is uh, Native Calgarian. You can pledge support. Um, if you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, that would be appreciated. Thank you to Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Beth, Brian, Kat, Celine, Christina, Crystal, Diana, Jaina, Jana. I'll say Jana. Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kathy, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, Melissa, Natalie, Nathan, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Sharon, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up. If you did one donation or had to quit for financial reasons, please know I appreciate your support. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. But if you can't afford to give and listen in, I'd love to hear back from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments and questions. Um, we also are on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I want to end with a side eye to Calgary Rabbits. You're lucky I'm not your dish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. Thank you for listening. <laughs>